This episode of the Eclectic Gamers Podcast is brought to you by the Roanoke Pinball Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. In a world where there are museums, the Roanoke Pinball Museum becomes the One Beacon, an interactive museum dedicated to the science and the history of pinball. Their mission is to cultivate curiosity in science, art, and history through pinball while preserving and honoring its role in American culture. The museum is open when there are not quarantines every day except Monday, and it houses over 65 machines with models ranging from 1932 to 2018. Roanoke Pinball Museum, coming soon. Rated X for Extreme. Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, August 9th. This is episode 121. I'm Tony. I'm Dennis. And I hear the pitter-patter of rain outside, so this may be the thunderstorm edition, so enjoy that. It could be. Because I ain't going to work hard to edit it all out. That's just too much. It's too too sporadic. No, I understand. I understand. I understand that completely. Yeah. Well, we're back. Uh, What's been going on? Anything? Oh, man. Nothing I can... I mean, we don't have time. The show's not long enough for me to go into everything that's been going on the last couple of weeks when it comes to stuff like work and 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 making decisions on child schooling and 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 stress and yeah, it it, it it's been insane. We may, we we finally and, and here's the thing: at one point, our school district told gave us the date that they were going to put out their plans. And the date for that was July 28th. And at the same time they announced the date that they were putting out, or they announced that date, they announced that all um, enrollments had to be completed by July 17th. Hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And then they were surprised when they got pushback from the parents who were like, how in the cred do you want us to do all of our enrollments without you telling us what the plans are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so where did they end up changing enrollment to? Because I'm sure they caved on that. Uh, they pushed enrollment back to uh, the 17th of August. Okay. Eventually. Originally, they pushed it back to the 3rd of August. And then they pushed it back again when the school start date got pushed back to after Labor Day. Ah, okay. That makes sense. But if you were doing the online enrollment stuff, you still had to have it all done by the 5th. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> so it's been, it's, yeah, it's, it's, oh man, it's been so, the, and then, and then work has just been sheer insanity. And luckily we had a really nice week because we had a ton of big outside projects going on. And, but it's just, 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 it was such an exhausting week. Friday night, I came home. I went to bed early. I went to bed Friday night at like 8.15. I'm just like I'm done. I I I I did I didn't get on any Zoom calls with nobody. I didn't really chat with anybody. I I I played my I played I had blue stacks up and played my silly little waifu game, and then uh, passed out at like eight fifteen. Thunderstorm hit at midnight. Woke my dog up, who decided she needed to go outside mm-hmm. because that's what she decides when thunderstorms hit. That's when she wants to go outside. Cue perfect thunder in the background right there. That was yeah, nice. I think I'm leaving that one in. Uh, and so I got up, 
waited for a break in the rain, put her out, blah, 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 blah. I never went back to sleep. Uh. I didn't go back to sleep. And finally, about 8.30 in the morning, my wife wasn't even awake yet. I just lurched back to the bedroom and passed out again for another four hours. So I completely blew my Saturday. Didn't get up till like one. I felt like I could have laid back down and go back to bed without a problem. And I just drug ass everywhere yesterday. I was just completely out of it. I. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me tired. Oh, it was so bad. It was so terrible. I tried to, I tried to like watch shows or something just, just to stay not just like half passing out in my chair because I was so exhausted. And then I was sitting here like halfway through a show and say, I don't have the energy to watch this show. So I'd stop it and I'd start another show. <laughs> so I started like four series yesterday. And the only thing that I actually watched and finished was I went ahead and finished watching uh, the ABC murders on Amazon Prime with John Malkovich as Hercule Poirot. Oh, I didn't know and about this. I may have to add this to my list. It's not terrible. I mean, I've seen better, but it, it, it's not it's not bad. I actually really liked Malkovich in the role. So. Oh, good. Uh so I enjoyed it, but I just, this weekend has just been a loss for me. Mm-hmm. Like last weekend, last weekend I was energy and I did projects and I did a whole bunch of stuff and I, I burned through all of the Umbrella Academy in a day and well, season two of it in a day and all sorts of stuff. And then this weekend I'm just trash. I'm just, I'm just hot garbage this weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I haven't been quite as exhausted. Uh, I have not, I've not played much in the way of games for two weeks though, in terms of video games, like on my console or on PC or pinball. I, I have been, I've played some phone video games, mostly Archero and Wordscapes. Wordscapes is like a, is a crossword. So, <laughs> so it's not even a real what game. The crap, what the crap is Archero? Ar- Archero or Archero. I'm not quite sure how to say it. It's, uh. One of those where you go around and there are a lot of uh, little enemies that spawn and you're, you're shooting arrows at them. And so it's a lot about movement and placement and dealing with the types of ah. mobs and, and level by level by level. Yeah. Uh, some on the, like on the Kansas City tryhard folks, uh, in pinball were playing it and told me about it at one of our tournaments, uh, last year. So I downloaded it and apparently it's, I mean, it's free to play, but, uh, yeah, they try and get you to buy gems and stuff to upgrade faster, but. They add a lot of content to it, so it's been a really good living game. And it's just you, so you build up your character as you as you go, and eventually you're able to get past the stage, and then you get it to a harder stage. And so it's kind of you know it's kind of almost like a roguelike in that regard. But yeah, so it's interesting. A, yeah, it's it's something where I can just go in and get my if I don't feel like playing, I'll go in and like do the d- daily ad watches to get some gems, or go in and actually play it for a while and. Usually trying to get through an entire stage might take 10 minutes if you can actually do the whole thing. Cause it's like maybe 50 levels per stage sort of thing. But yeah. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. It's a, it's enjoyable. But um, that's the, that, that's about all I've played the last couple of weeks. I, I mean, I played a little bit right after our last episode. I played some more. I was playing more satisfactory. And then. Last week, I played some of the newest season of Diablo three just because I wanted something mindless while I was watching shows mm. that I didn't have that I didn't have to pay a ton of attention to. And quite frankly, that's Diablo three at this point. And then other than that, yeah, I've just been playing phone games. Yeah. I'm a bad gamer. Well, maybe you're a good phone gamer, though. 
That's the secret. Um, yeah, the uh, I work wise for me, uh, I won't I won't belabor it, but it's like, uh, yeah, I not nearly as as bad as you had it, but I made a mistake. I th- on retrospect, I feel this was a mistake. And uh, the state agency, uh, health agency, had asked me to be an external grant reviewer for one of their uh, funding pools that they were working with with local health departments. And I, because I think of the volume and the concern about getting through them all. So I agreed. I think I was the only reviewer because I swear I looked at every single one of them. Oh. And I just thought maybe I do like 10 or so. And for those that aren't aware, many listeners aren't, we have a hundred health departments in the state. So I was just like, why am I looking at some, like nothing's getting processed unless I do it. I finally asked, like, is anyone else working on these? And it's told no. It's like, Okay, well, now I feel obligated a bit. Like, and it was because of the way it works with my relationship with the locals, it's a little awkward because I'm sending them back their applications, telling them, okay, you're asking for stuff that's not allowed. So you need to fix your stuff or else it's not going to get funded. And it's like, but I'm not actually the one making that decision. (laughs) I'm just enforcing it. But I work for them, not for the state. So it's extra, it was just extra weird. Oh, And so these were due last week, but there were a bunch that needed correction or were coming in or getting fixed up. So this Friday, I worked until 1030 at night trying to get through all of them because they were like the fixes and stuff were due by midnight. And so it's like three of us are working like I'm the only one doing these these approvals. Though. Someone else is working on the fiscal side. Someone else is doing the outreach. And it was just like, I'd get an e- I'd try and stop and I'd go to watch some Overwatch League and I'd get an email and it'd be like, hey, Dennis, another one's in. Can you approve it? And I'm like, okay, let me get up and go and, and reload everything. And let's go and yes, let me walk through, make sure it's okay. Or if it's not, make a note. And it's like, oh God, why did I agree? And I told them that too. I said, you know, I think that this was a mistake. I think this was way more work than I, I was expecting. <laughs> so their response was, does this mean you won't help on the next one? And of course, <laughs> I have trouble saying no. So I'm like, oh, yes, I'll help. But hopefully this next time it will be actually help and not do it all by myself. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what they mean by help. If that's how it Maybe. happened that, this if time, that that's how it If that means time. they'll get paid, then okay, I'll do it. I mean, but supposedly I'm getting a contract out of this same funding pool I was doing the allocation from. So I did go ahead and bring up this week. Hey, you know, I don't actually have a contract, much less a signed one yet. You just have my proposal. And I was told it was being funded, but I want it in writing because August is the first month that that's supposed to be billed. Like I don't have, I don't even have a, a class account code for it yet because I, I don't have a signed contract. So it's like, whatever. Wow. We, I, that, that was just the thunder here. I could, I heard it through your mic a second or so after it hit here. Oh, actually, fun. those were two separate. You had yours, which I heard in my headset, and then I just happened to have another one outside the window. Oh, it was just timed yep. just right. Yep, so just timed because awesome. you shouldn't that you shouldn't be bleeding through my headset. I have it turned way down. Speaking of turned way down, apologies to everyone for the like twelve minute intro, but that's because there isn't much of the way of news. So you just got to hear us talk. But don't worry, you can always go on Pinside and complain about how all the podcasts never jump into the topics. Yeah, so, that's fine. If you want if you want a podcast that jumps straight into topic, let me tell you what you do. Start a podcast. There you go. <laughs> Easy as that. That's true. That's a good way to do it. But we will go into pinball now because we do have a few things. And the first, of course, because it's all about us, is the Build-A-Bank. 
So we had the build a bank from episode 120, <laughs> and it was so close, Tony. Okay, the official, sure was. The official results are 51% to 49%, but to be more specific, I won by one vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did not vote for myself. Oh, I don't ever vote I know. Those. You've never, you never have either. Uh, but in case people wondered, Dennis, were they tied and you pushed it over? No, I did not. I let, I let the market decide. And uh, as is typical, uh, people reach out to me or sometimes I reach out to them and say, why are you picking Tony? And then they tell me why. Oh, this thunder is going to be great. Um, it's awesome. It is. Right? Everything's sounding very epic uh, to me. It's like Inception with the bombs. And um. so the general things stated were I had, I think, at least two people tell me they picked you. Because some, a lot of times it's just one game that it like people don't really weigh the bank. They weigh one game, it seems. So I believe I had two people say they picked you simply because you had countdown and that was enough. It's like, oh, no, nope, it's good enough. It's countdown. It's a winner bank. He's got countdown. Uh, I had, I believe, at least two people tell me they disqualified me simply because I had Ghostbusters and that that game is trash. And so I didn't deserve to win just because I had it. Uh, and I, there are, you know, a few comments of people that they just overall, they liked one of our overall builds better than the other. Yeah, this is typical. The ones that are actually trying to fairly judge it. Zach Minnie from the Pinball Show. I always assumed he wasn't going to vote for you because you took Iron Man and he does not like Iron Man, but he actually said he felt your problem was taking Safecracker. But he was the only one who told me that. Well, and Safe Cracker was only taken because we'd misdone that one, and I didn't feel it was fair to go back to, and take Pinbot to go back and change it again. Well, I'm, yeah. it could have been fair because I could have technically gone back and taken Pinbot because that was my first pick, right? But I chose not to. I stuck with Jurassic Park. I actually thought I would get a complaint about me taking Daddy's Jurassic Park. I did not have a single person tell me that I shouldn't have done that. Uh, they may have thought it, but they didn't tell me that. Uh, but we're not playing Build a Bank this episode. We're going to take a uh, a, a break. We don't usually play them back to back anywhere, but uh, closest ever. Uh, not the closest possible. I for a little bit thought we were going to tie, but I think it was. I was up one vote for the last four days. So yeah, yeah, and you had been convinced that I was going to win. I had been. You were well. The first like three days, going to you win. were up. You were up every time I looked. Sometimes as high as four votes. So it was close. I mean, it's still going to be close, but. You were, yeah, it wasn't until I looked on like Wednesday that I was then up by one and it just sort of held steady from there. But, okay. So, uh, next thing I thought we could talk about is, uh, location pinball. Obviously, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, as anticipated, a lot of people, a lot of, uh, epidemiologists have assumed we will, we would see what is called the second peak or second wave in the fall. And that's just driven by the nature of people tending to be more indoors, and that's how disease spreads easier, uh, which is why flu seasons are – it's not like flu goes away, but if people wonder why flu seasons are worse in like the winter and spring, it's because people are tend to be more clustered together because the weather is not good. And so there's always a – that's true for pretty much any disease that you can uh, – that you can inhale or or get on your hands and and uh, from contaminated surfaces. So the thought has always been that we were going to have one. Obviously, we so that's why they've been noting we've been still in the first wave and we've just seen a second peak of it. Uh, one of the things I've noticed lately, uh, especially I, I follow a couple of threads talking about 
ar- arcades or in particular like the bar arcade style, kind of like what we know with the 403 club Correct. Uh, that have, that have been closing. A lot of them, you know, had, had to shut down due to stay at home orders and try to weather the storm. Now there's a mix of places that still have limits that, Impose on them and others are just facing the fact that people are, even if things are open, aren't willing to go out. So I've seen more and more closures announced and actually just a couple of days ago saw that this weekend would be the final weekend for, uh, the silver, the silver ball saloon, which Bruce Nightingale from the slam tilt podcast, which we've guested on. That's his. And he announced he was closing it that he can't. It, it's just too hard. At this point. And I think New York is one of those states where they still have a lot of restrictions on those style of businesses. I hear, I know because I hear a lot of complaints because a lot of the, uh, I believe the the assumption as I understand it, I'm not really familiar with how New York set up is they're doing statewide things based around what they're trying to control in New York City. And so whether or not they it would be best to be statewide is up for debate, but obviously it's having an impact outside of New York City, because Silverball Saloon was in East Rochester, which is quite a ways away from New York City. Right. But anyway, so I just thought, just in terms of a of a discussion, what I, I think it's safe to assume we're going to see more of these locations shut down. But what do you think the future is on all this? Like, uh, especially locations that, even if it's not just like a pinball arcade, but rather they use pinball as their main draw, is this like I'm I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. I think at this point what we are seeing is the most likely death of location pinball for the next several years before we might start seeing a resurgence. Okay, so you think this has a long tail before it comes back? I do. I I think it's going to be a while. I think there's going to be a fair number of people who just once it's – been gone for so long they're going to be so slow to come back that it's not going to be able to handle the large number of uh locations that some places had started to build up over the course of the last several years and i think the vast majority of it's going to be just gone and i think it'll be a long time before it rolls back Hmm. so when you say long time kind of do you have a how many years are you thinking Oh, I'm 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 guessing you probably won't see things starting to climb again until maybe 22. Okay. Yeah, I actually I, I thought you might go further out. 2022. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat as well. I think it's it's very optimistic to think that we see much in the way of uh, location performance recovery in 2021. I, I think it will be better than it is now, but for those that are still open. But I think the issue there is. Assuming we even have a rapid vaccine rollout, and I know there's some talk about the vaccine possibly being rolled out as soon as November, uh, I think the most realistic of a mass deployment would probably be more closer to January. And by mass deployment, I don't mean everyone. I mean like high risk and first responders and and health professionals. They're going to get first dibs for that vaccine. It's going to work exactly the same way as we've seen with with any other mass inoculation thing that we've had to do. You you inoculate your frontline people first, and then you prioritize the at-risk if you're capable of doing that, and then you roll it out to everyone else uh, for obvious reasons related to treatment and care. But because of that, it's just I, I mean, they are trying. I mean, I've even, I heard this last, this last week that 
one of the things they are doing, like any of the vaccines that are in the stage three mass trials, they're actually already manufacturing doses on the assumption that it'll pass the test. And if, if it does not survive the stage three trial, they'll just, they'll just trash them. But they don't want to wait. They don't want to wait to build them up for confirmation. So they'll just, it's like, okay, we're testing with 30,000 people. Let's start making millions of doses. And they've just, they've been in, infused with funding. And it's like, if it doesn't work, throw it away. But otherwise, then we'll, we'll, we'll be closer than not. We'd rather wow. waste the money, which we've never, at least to my knowledge, we've never seen it done like that. So, but I also know because Facebook never lies, Tony, <laughs> there are a lot of people that are, and I don't blame them because of the accelerated schedule of the testing. They do not want to get the vaccine immediately. They would like to wait. Oh, I've heard. I, I don't even need Facebook for that. I, I could tell you that just from talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's not, I mean, there have been vaccines that were rolled out in the past that had some issues. And so that's why we have, you the, don't yeah, say so that's why we have, a, I mean, it's like any other treatment. There's always a risk. That's why, even though I'm a big vaccination fan and big supporter and proponent of it, ne- I'm like, never go around and say that vaccine is risk free. It's not. It's any, anything you're injecting is going to have a risk. So. Because of that, there's just going to be a lot of people because of the vaccine access or the unwillingness to immediately take it that aren't going to be comfortable going out to places where they think that those, they could be exposed to the disease. And that pressure is really going to weigh on these locations. So that's why I, I agree with you. I just don't, I mean, if the location can serve, like using our Kansas City examples, like Pizza West and Nub's Pub, if they're surviving with the restaurant, I mean, here the restaurants are open. They may have a mask mandate, but you can go in and get food. You can eat in there with and be allowed to take the mask off, which I think is silly, but they allow it. Um, or obviously uh, pickup was something they were doing even when the stay-at-home orders were in effect, which I'm sure was still a greatly diminished income level, but I don't know how much those pins are making on location. I can't imagine it's much, though. I don't think so. And and that's the thing is we, <clears throat> just speaking personally for myself and my family, since the lockdown things first started, we haven't been eaten at a restaurant, period. Yeah, I've, I've gone in to pick up food. That's been my extent. I've gone into, I, we've gone in to do food pickup and that's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I haven't sat at a table and, and consumed since March inside a, inside a restaurant. Uh, same with pinball. I have not gone in and since early March, I have not gone into a location and dropped quarters and played pinball. Nope. Neither have I. I haven't. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I haven't gone and done much of anything other than standard grocery shopping or, or like my Home Depot runs that I have to do on occasion. Because we're just, we're not, we're not. No, the the levels are too high. And the thing is, like with the with the masks, the main thing about the masks is for you to prevent the spread to someone else. So I'm wholly uncomfortable with the idea of going to one of my local locations. And because someone is eating their sandwich, you know, five feet away from me, they get to not wear their mask. And my mask isn't going to save me from them for that. And it's like, why, yeah. why would I do that to play a game of pinball? That's, that's to me, it's silly. So, so I'm not, I'm not support, I'm not supporting the local pinball scene and I feel bad about that, but it's like, I do too, but there's right. no, there's nothing to be done uh, that's going to work around that. Now, in the case of operators that are kind of doing it as a hobby 
and locations that don't need the pinball to keep their doors open, I could see them surviving in the sense of keeping the pinball on location and going. But otherwise, it's just got to be really hard. I mean, some of these stuff, like just surviving running a bar in general has to be incredibly difficult right now. Right. And I think, I mean, bars are taking the big shot. And I think that's where the location pinball or is the bar based location pinball is who's going to take the big hit and be uh take the most losses i think yeah i think, I, that, I think you're absolutely right just i mean on any measurement they are the high risk like they're they're in the high risk category on every single state's model i have seen in terms of like what is the worst place you could be at a bar right <clears throat> why would you go why i mean why why would you well, and we've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of younger people got bored not going and then they started to go. And that's where we've seen a number of, you know, early on, where were the clusters? Nursing homes. Where are the clusters now? Bars, party events. It, it, it's just, that's because it's easy to spread it because people are packed in. They're packed in. You can't wear a mask and drink at the same time for obvious reasons. I mean, you could try, but it's kind of like you're waterboarding yourself with a Budweiser. It's Yeah. It's like that video clip I saw of that guy who tried to take a drink of water through his mask yeah. and he forgot to add his mask on. <laughs> well, I think that's probably enough on the location pinball thing. Uh, we'll probably talk about that again in the future as we hear about more probably devastation, quite frankly. but uh, Yeah, uh, honestly, that's exactly what it's going to be. Is we're gonna be. What we're going to start covering is major uh, well-known places closing and the bars just being gone yeah yeah no i i think it's gonna i think it'll be pretty bleak when it's all said and done but something that's much less bleak it's kind of a transition topic i'm keeping it kind of in the pinball section but it's kind of a, uh related more to em arcade style games in general mm-hmm. which we don't normally cover but we're eclectic and we can do what we want and that is i didn't know if you had heard about this uh but the uh, watch that ryan clater designed i saw it on facebook the other day it's awesome. Yes, yes. So apparently Ryan Clater in the super secret darkness of his artistic studio had been working with a company called Mr. Jones Watches to design a wristwatch uh, called Step Right Up, which is very reminiscent of those old uh, arcade games like where you go and you shoot to win a, you know, you get a gun and you shoot the targets to win a prize, um, kind of electromechanical style uh, amusements. And yeah. so he's got it so that, uh, and I have a link in the show notes, uh, to the Mr. Jones site. The, the watch is sold out. It was limited to a hundred watches. They were, I believe, $245, but there is a wait list. So if you follow the link, there's another link to the wait list if you want to get on the wait list, but you can go there to look at what the watch looks like. So it's like one of the targets is rotating, represents the hours. And there's another set of targets that represents the, the minutes, I think in, in five minute increments. I kind of wanted to see it. Like someone have recorded video of it accelerated. So I could have, like, I read how like the waves pointed to like, what was the quarter hours and stuff. And I was just, I was having a little trouble understanding. I wanted to see it visually. Uh, I'm sure it's pretty easy to figure out once you, (laughs) once you've experienced it, but I wanted to see it in animation. But unfortunately, by the time I went to Facebook, this was sold out. Like it was not even close. Uh, So, but I, I just thought it was really cool. And uh, for those those longtime listeners may know, Ryan Clater is who designed my neon sign. Uh, he's done a number of t-shirt designs uh, in pinball or for some podcast. Like I remember the 100th episode pinball podcast t-shirt. That's a Ryan Clater design. So 
And of course, Coin Op Carnival, the book we talked about quite a bit that came out last year, uh, with, that he wrote with, uh, Nick Baldridge. That, uh, that's him as well, obviously. So I thought it was really neat. It's just, here's the thing. This sold out way too quickly. And the problem is, is that it was too cheap. And so Ryan needs to design a new one, but we, we gotta, we, it needs to, the level needs to be upped. I, I know, I know Ryan's probably like, what? I, I, I did everything. Like, no, 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 no. Artistically, it's in a good place, but the watch needs to be mechanical. It needs to have complications. I think at least a minute repeater. And then I think we can uh, add a one before this 245. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not with a minute repeater. You need to add a zero to the end as well. Because I know of hardly any minute repeaters that are under $10,000. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> you won't sell out in two hours. You might sell out, but you won't sell out in two hours if we get this into a five-figure range. So <laughs> I, I, I've got I've got some idea. I mean, come on. Don't you want like, – where's our – Throw in a perpetual calendar, like maybe one of the person's closes the calendar. Um, I don't know what other complications. Uh, a dual time zone, so pilots want to wear it. Got to do a little oh, of course. GMT well, style. Sure you've thing. already got your money set aside for it. Rotated, right? be- rotating bezel. So, well, and I've seen enough that the rotating bezel doesn't actually have to do anything other than rotate. That's fine. People yeah, yeah, are happy. Yeah, that's true. Or. or you get another thing, uh, another one of the t- scoring things, which it rotates and then the, be- the bezel's static, but you can move. It's like a, a, a second hour hand that'll show you that time zone. I have a watch like that where you have a, I have a, it's forehand watch and one of them, the bezel doesn't move, but I can switch it to, uh, apparently the watch was designed so you could tell the, like if it was day or night in the dark. And so they originally didn't let you move that hand, but in the later models, they did, so people can use it like a time zone watch, where you can keep the second hour hand in your home time, and then you just adjust the regular one for the. Day. I'm telling you, there's there's plenty to do. We might have to make the watch a little bigger. We're sticking in all these complications. <laughs> I think it's 37 millimeter, which is fine, but we could go to 40, and no one's going to complain. Um, of course, with big watch, like we're talking Sylvester Stallone style, I guess we can go up to over 60 millimeters on the watch if we want. You just wear a tank on your arm. Some people do. So I've, I've seen some people with enormous watches. Yeah, I saw, I was reading up on large watches, uh, I think last week, and I saw some company released one that was like over 62 millimeters. And I'm like, who is that <laughs> going to look good on, though? I mean, that's like, you got, like, I guess Dwayne The Rock Johnson could wrap it on his forearm, but even his wrists have to be relatively normal sized, right? I mean, What's, you would think. What's the range on wrist? Six to eight inches, maybe, with seven being like normal. I don't. My wrists are smaller than seven, but not by a lot. So I don't know. But that's. It. I don't know. It just seems. I just. You might as well just glue a clock. Like go to go to your school that's now closed and take one of those clocks off the wall and just glue it to your wrist, or get a, ch- a dog chain and wrap it up, and just wear a clock. <laughs> just wear a clock. Oh, that's what Ryan could do. He could design a clock. Think of all the real estate. And a lot of people don't wear watches, so if you got did a clock, we could hang it in our house. We'll do a grandfather clock, and you have look at all that oh, room to work. Think of the chimes, and the chimes could be the exact same tones as like uh, Bally's Bally pinball machines from the '60s. They could use Campus Queen as the model. Oh wait, I have to be careful because your Campus Queen actually uh, has is not modified. Yeah, because it uh, is that, modified. That game originally came with a bell, I think. Yeah, maybe we need Gottlieb chimes. Yeah, and they did it in in when it was redone. They added a second chime so to differentiate between the 
points. Yeah, it's one of those genuine Nick Shell upgrades. Now, you t- tell me this. All right. As you know, Tony, from when we last met with, with Nick, Nick is a huge watch guy. He mm-hmm. ha- he got this. Like, how did he get the get in the first 100 of this? Where was my, I, after all my investment in Neon, where was my heads up? I don't know, but yeah. Um, I'm supposed to believe he was just up in time because he's on the East Coast and I'm in the Midwest. I find that hard to believe. Well, maybe you don't spend enough time on Facebook. That could be true. But I feel like I spend too much time on Facebook as it is. But anyway, it's really cool. Uh, so go check it out, even if you're not playing to get on the wait list. I think it's worth taking a look at just because it's 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 a fun whimsical. I think that was a term I used initially. I find it very whimsical. I think that's a good term for it, honestly. And so if you're into whimsical watch, it's not really what, what I would normally be into. But had I had the opportunity, I had been tempted to buy this. Been like, yeah, I think I could do this. But anyway, uh Video games. Let's go ahead and fully transition from our eclectic EM watch segment to video games. Tony, what's going on in the world of video games? I've heard there's been a little bit of corporate drama. There's been some corporate drama. There's been some some streamer drama. There's been some... You know what? It's just drama. It's drama all the way down. Well, uh, we've actually been <laughs> really calm with drama and pinball lately, so uh, I guess we'll have to get our fill here. So... Uh, the first round of drama let's hit is, uh, on the upcoming Marvel's Avengers game. They announced that Spider-Man is going to be in the game. Woo! Everyone loves Spider-Man. The drama is it's only going to be on PlayStation. <gasps> Go web. PlayStation. So. Thwack. That's, uh, Why? caused some annoyance. It's cause Sony has certain rights to Spider-Man. Like the movies, yeah. Like the movies and stuff. And somehow with how those, uh, rights are laid out. They are pretty much only going to be allowed to have it on PlayStation systems. So hopefully as a playable character in the game with a game that's designed to have like a living raid system type thing, uh, Spider-Man doesn't bring a whole lot of extra powerful stuff or else anyone who's not playing on PlayStation is kind of boned. Mm. Yeah, that would be, I mean, unless it's lopsided, normally I don't get too worked up over like character exclusives that those have been around for a long time. Remember so when uh, Soul Calibur 4 and it was like, mm-hmm. you got Darth Vader, if you had the PlayStation and you got Yoda, if you had the Xbox, and I think you got Link if you had a Nintendo and it was, yeah. and it's like, yeah, it didn't, I mean, it, it bugs people. I, I, I get that. But if it is something like Destiny, which has had timed exclusive access for PlayStation stuff and like the gear that you're given with that timed exclusivity was, I think for Destiny 2, very substantial. Like it made a big difference. Um, that would right. be very frustrating to people. But I mean, Sony holds the cards on this and I, it, it's a tactic they've used for a long time. And Microsoft may be shifting on that, but Sony has a lead dog in terms of console sales right now. I can see why they would want to do this to try and hold on to keeping people into their ecosystem, especially since we still don't know the price. Yeah, it's still unknown. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of this, but uh, I mean, I, all I can say is I'm used to it. Yeah, it's nothing. Un- I mean, I don't consider it unusual, but I can understand why people are upset. I mean, it's better it. than the whole game being exclusive. Right. Which is something that you see on at least timed exclusivity on yeah, a lot of yeah, games. Yeah, and, and there's some of that going on as well. Again, as is as is usual, uh, the the Sony and, and Microsoft both have done that quite a bit. So, at least so, in the past. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's going away with the new generations. It's just gonna, it'll it'll continue. It is what it is. It's part of the uh, current, how do you want to call it, uh, marketing style. Yeah, I think it, it feels a little different on Microsoft's side now that they're putting everything out on PC as well. So you're not right. locked into buying their hardware because they know they're going to get you on the software side. So I get right. I get why and they that- do it, but. At least uh, in terms of like a consumer thing, it it feels better because it is actually letting you have the choice. Do you want to play on a computer or do you want to play on their proprietary system? Right. And that's how I've been. I mean, that's how I've been playing Xbox games lately Mm -hmm. is on computer. Yeah. So. uh, uh, Also, uh, we've the ongoing saga with the Dr. Disrespect ban. He's back to streaming. I still, I've never watched him. I don't care. I think I've seen but, him a couple times. But uh, it's interesting. The whole, the whole saga is interesting to me because of how it's been handled on on both sides, and the fact that it's such a major uh, ban after such a large uh, multi million dollar contract, and no one knows why he was banned yet. He says he doesn't even know why. He's do you banned. do you believe that? Do you believe he think, doesn't know? I think he knows, but he can't say anything for legal reasons. I agree. I agree. My guess is, and and from uh, the reports, he flat out said that there, with a contract as large as it is as, as it was, there's a lot of legal stuff going on in the background. Because I'm sure there is. I'm sure the lawyers are 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 are. are just going insane over it, uh, trying to get everything balanced out and figured out because that was a huge contract that was just shut down with no notice and no anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but it's interesting to me that nothing has leaked at all. I guess, I guess not very many people over at Twitch know about what the details are. It's the only thing that makes sense is that it's a, they've kept it very limited. And that's the, that's the word is that the people who know it are just the like, high level people like even a lot of the um mid-tier people who do the actual day-to-day working with uh streamers have no idea mm. yeah it no, just came down to them that it was that it was that it's hey this is what it is there he's gone and that's it now i heard when he uh was on youtube he had like a half a million uh, viewers, concurrent viewers. Yeah, is that? Uh, do you know how that he compares? maxed out at just over a half million concurrent viewers, and then it started going down. So, do you do you happen to know how that compared to what his concurrent Twitch viewers count is? Is it? I don't. I don't actually see, know. How, I don't. What I, his, I, I know half a million is a lot. I just I don't know if that's like like what he was getting on Twitch. Is it better than he was getting on Twitch? Is it worse? I don't know. If people know, write into Eclectic Gamers Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Let us know because I, I didn't research it and I'm not in the mood to, but if someone knows, yeah, and just what, let us what, know. What, what I did read of it, it, nobody mentioned what it was compared to his normal, what his normal counts right, cause, But I just remember like when Ninja and the, and the others were contracted and moved over to Mixer, they had high numbers, but not as high as they had at Twitch. Yeah, their their numbers dropped way off because there's a lot of people who are pretty much sold on the Twitch ecosystem, uh, and well, a lot there's a lot of people on YouTube also. So yeah, it's uh, I think the thing is with Twitch, it's people know that with the bits and the subs and like 
there are a lot of people that are signed up and have their credit cards and everything ready with Twitch. And so it just seems more comfortable to go when you want to go search for a live streamer, people think Twitch, but yeah. YouTube has a, has a lot of stuff going for it, especially on if you're saving the videos after the fact, like I don't point anyone to my Twitch clips. I always take a clip I make in Twitch if I think it's cool and I export it to YouTube. Yeah. Which just makes sense. And what's interesting is I've started to find a lot of the YouTubers that I watch um, run second channels that are just for like gaming. So their main channel is what their main bread and butter is. But then if they do gaming and streaming, they'll run a gaming channel that is on on YouTube gaming normally. And that's actually where I've started watching a fair number of uh, streamers and streaming is from people who I didn't originally find them for their gaming content. It's just something that I started watching because I liked the regular content. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, and then there's several others where I watch their, where I watch their content on YouTube, uh, unless I'm watching them live on Twitch. So they'll do special, they'll do special things. Uh, uh, like they'll put some of their specials out after a week or so they'll come out on YouTube and I'll watch it there and then they'll do their normal live stuff and their just day-to-day streams I'll watch on Twitch just interesting little the ways we consume are streaming and whatever you want to consider it I don't know what what is a good what is a good way to consider watching people stream games what do you mean hmm. by consider well, I mean, it's not like watching TV or watching, uh, going to a movie or something. I mean, it's like it, but it's it's still different. Hmm. Because of the, because know. of the interaction, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I'm I'm not talking I'm not talking to to uh, Liam Neeson as he's talking to people about his certain skill set. After a year of talking about cancellations and closures and and stuff, we're now going to talk about something that's not been canceled. It's just being heavily modified. Um, the 2020 World Championships for League of Legends are going to continue to take place in China like uh, they had originally planned in a different format. Uh, the original plan had been for a... Um, what do you want to consider it a moving uh, tournament where the early stages of the tournament would take place in different cities in China and with the finals taking place in Shanghai. Uh, instead, all sections of the tournament are going to take place in Shanghai. And for the early stages, uh, there will be no live audiences. And the possibility of live audiences for the later stages and the finals will depend upon the local guidelines for events. But the World Championships for League of Legends is like a month-long oh. tournament structure. Wow. So, yeah, no, it starts on the 25th of September, and it runs through the 31st of October. I had no so, idea it was so long. Yeah, it is it is a major thing. And that's why they normally have, like, the early stages taking place in other cities and and when they choose a, a country for it to take place in, they spread out the early stuff throughout the country. But obviously, with uh, COVID, that's not something that is happening uh, right now. So, uh, good on them for still 
trying to put on uh, a major event and while doing it in what they're hoping to be a safe way in a way allowed by the local rules. I think this is probably going to be the, I wouldn't be surprised if this was the first major size event we see this year since the lockdown started uh, for this type of thing. Because we know pretty much all the conventions and all the other major tournaments have been completely canceled. Yeah. Yeah, this is, aside from the what the attempts are with the various professional sports, this is the only, which are outdoors by and large, right. other than basketball, but they've taken some aggressive steps too. Uh, yeah, to my knowledge it is. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens and what changes between now and the scheduled start date in late September. So. Yeah. Um, also, in the, once again, dipping into the Blizzard... Arena. <sighs> Poor Blizzard. There was a lot of stuff going around, and Blizzard started an internal review of salaries. Oh, that's Because fun. they wanted to make sure the salary and everything, everybody's salaries were fair. And after they made their announcements of the results and made their changes, um, it wasn't quite what people were expecting. Mm. So they started circulating a spreadsheet to anonymously share your salaries and the amounts of your raises. And what's interesting is Blizzard's official announcement of their stuff talked about their raises being like 20% overall. Was it or was it like 20% over what the typical raise had been? Well, that's what it sounds like. It was is, is that it was twenty percent over what the typical race had been. Most people's races were well under ten percent. Okay, except I- for some very high end people. Some very high end people were much higher. Uh, uh, apparently, but this is one of those things that has been since Activision has taken a more forward stance and their direct control of blizzard uh which is what we saw with the layoffs from last the from last year uh it's become a more unfriendly place to work from all the reports mm-hmm. that have come out of it yeah the 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 people are very unhappy because while there are some very high level people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year or even in the case of the, you know, CEOs and, and vice presidents and this and that in millions per year, the vast majority of the staff makes minimum wage. Yeah, I saw that it was sort of a, it sounds like a lot of this isn't like the engineers and programmers are, I guess, competitively paid by and large. This was more like the, the play testers, uh, the people on the customer service and support side. That yeah. were the really, really low pay. Though I, I was a little confused because uh, it sounds like even amongst those that are maybe doing more of the design work on the games, it sounds like some companies like Riot have been pretty successful in poaching employees from Blizzard, which, I mean, maybe they did an internal study to see about if the fair pay as defined by how they're paying people within the same or similar positions within their own organization. but. I really question, based off of that feedback, if they did a lot of comparison to other companies to see if they were paying industry average. Right. And I mean, that's that's the type of thing I think companies need to do. Uh, I mean, that happened at my employment place a couple of years ago 
where there was a comparison to the people who are direct competitors for employees. Uh, and I think that's something they need to do because most of the reports I've been seeing is people are who leave Blizzard and go to other companies, some of whom are literally based within miles of Blizzard's offices, are making double their pay. Yeah, it's yeah, I it's definitely something. If they didn't do it as part of the internal review, they definitely need to do a, a salary and wage comparison within the industry, at least within the geographic area and within the industry. Um, right, because I understand that different areas will 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 pay differently based off geography. But yeah, it was. A, I mean, my at my past job, kind of quite. We were too small to need to do a whole huge study, but I only ever only ever asked specifically for one raise ever. And that was when I had information within the same driving distance. Actually, it was, it was closer for me of a, of a position that was basically my job description. And it made like 15,000 more a year than I did. Right. And I, so I, I went in and I said, I think I'm not paid market. And I did not get 15,000, but I did get, I did get a bump and it wasn't an insignificant bump. Yeah. Well, and I think that's also even, Internally to companies, you'll see where people in the exact same position might have massive differences in pay, which could make sense in some situations for like long, yeah, longevity differences. Yeah. But sometimes you're, I've, I've seen reports of people who were hired literally the same day having massive differences in pay. And that's just one of those things that it comes from the whole. Uh, I'm I'm from a situation where uh, everybody knows what everybody makes. I mean, it, it's just it's required. Uh, so it doesn't bother me for the people to know that. And I know a lot of people are bothered by the thought of knowing somebody else knowing how much they make. And I think it's actually a pretty good thing inside a company for people to know what everybody else in the company makes. I think it leads to better outcomes overall but i i agree and I, in fact one of i think the biggest issues is that and maybe this is just in america but there is a people have this sense like that it's inappropriate to to share what your pay is and i even know i think i even worked for a business though my understanding is it's completely illegal to prohibit you from sharing what your pay is with anyone but that I have, I even worked for, I think I worked for a bank once that they put that in the personnel manual said you weren't allowed to share pay. I remember because I got lectured <laughs> one time when I found out another person at the bank in the same position was making more than me. And I went, I went to the bank president and complained. And he said, well, you're, you're not supposed to share that. And I was like, well, I did. So what are you going to do about it? it? The thing is, is I'm not positive. I think it might vary by state, but I know at least in some places, it's literally illegal to tell people that they can't share that information. I don't know if it's at the federal level or a state level. I don't remember. I thought it was. See, I was thinking it was federal level, but I, it might be state. I just don't remember. All right. I've done a quick search and it says your right to discuss your salary information with your coworkers is protected by the federal government. The National Labor Relations Act states that employers can't ban the discussion of salary and working conditions among employees. So it's federal. So yeah, there you go. That's right. I mean, that's get that get them spreadsheets flowing. Feel free to keep your names on them too. But yeah, I mean, I was public sector for years uh, as well. So as as Tony noted, oh, everyone the public gets to know how much you make there. It's 
So, which I think is really nice because then you can figure out whether or not you're being mistreated. Right. Without having yeah, to that, ask. Because you just know. I mean, yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> it's oh, just well, there. Who else is in this position? Have they been there longer than me? No. Well, then, why are, then why do they make more? And then you go in and then they tell you because you're bad at your job and they're good. And you get sad. <laughs> and then you're sad. And then you're sad, but hey. So sad. At least you know. And I know that that was our last topic. I know. It's a short one. Well, it's a short, it's a short world. World that's been shortened by COVID. So for people that want to reach out to us about any of these particular topics or to suggest other ones that we cover, feel free to email us at collectedgamerspodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us through the messenger thing at facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And we'll plan to be back in a couple weeks, even if there still isn't any news. Hopefully there'll be less thunder then, but we don't know yet. Hopefully. We'll find out. We could be wrong. Maybe there'll be some news, too. Oh, I hope so. Uh, well, Wouldn't that be nice? It would, just because it helps It helps uh, make the conversation flow. Otherwise, I need suggestions on uh, esoteric theories that we can discuss, like how we kind of dived into what's the world going to look like for location pinball. Maybe we need to talk about what would DMDs have been like if the dots were twice as large? I don't, I don't know. I don't think anyone cares. Yeah, no, that, that'd have been, they'd be weird, fatty dots. Actually, they'd oh, be big old. I haven't had dots, the candy in a long time. I really like those. Were you one of those people who would shake those into your popcorn at the movie theater? No, I didn't know that was the thing. I, I, I knew somebody who did that. Kind of like people would do that with the, uh, the, what, the raisinets. They'd shake it into uh, the popcorn. No, 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 no. Never, <clears throat> never, never. I knew never, a girl never. who would do it with the dots. No, do, though I do associate like, dots what? and Twizzlers are like my two, uh, theater candies. So. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Cause they're good. Well, all right. That's it. So, uh, take care, everyone. See you later.